how can you use diversity to grow your firm? I, this is a topic that we toss around all the time, but really today we're going to dive into some of the specifics and how we can do that. I'm Jordan Ostroff. This is Exhibit A Attorneys. This is round two for the day, but so be it. Tech issues. It's 2021. We're making it work. Um, for those of you that watched the 45 seconds before this, you got Nikosha's background, but we'll do it again because she is awesome. So Nikosha Anderson is the owner of the Anderson Law Firm, PLLC, right here in Orlando, Florida, uh, like me. Also like me, she started out as counsel for the state of Florida. However, she was a government defense attorney when I was a prosecuting attorney for the government. But realizing that there's nothing but emergencies in that, as well as the burnout that comes with it, and sometimes the inability to assist clients because you've got so many clients, she wanted to make a change. For her, life is about getting really great at what you're passionate about, then using your skills to make a positive impact on your community. And for her, that was with helping entrepreneurs. And I can vouch for this because she's also on the board of Big Brothers, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central Florida with me. So she is not just talking the talk, she is walking the walk. So in these past eight years, she's been assisting small business owners to not only create, but also protect their business uh, beyond formation, including successfully protecting global multi-million dollar brands. She's got a strong desire to help small business owners succeed from their creation and beyond. And she knows that having a great attorney can make all the difference in success of a business. Totally agree. She knows small business as it's a world she grew up with since the age of 14, working with her mom's accounting practice and her dad's trucking company. That had to be some really interesting family dinner conversations, oh, like just very be. different worlds colliding. Yes. Yes. Supporting small business in her blood and what she is called to do, leveraging her government and business knowledge she utilizes as such to be a great asset to the small business owner, navigating the do's and don'ts of having a business and leveraging those assets can be very intimidating, but she is here to help. And I'm so thankful that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I have been an avid listener and a, I started the Breezy Fan Club. I'm the only member, but that's okay. So, cause I'm so excited. So thank you for, again for having me. There we go. And for anybody who hasn't followed a bunch of these episodes, so Breezy is our producer. So for us, we are in Google Meet right now. There are three of us, Breezy, Nikosha, and myself, but you are getting Breezy's feed up on your screen. So it looks a lot more like the uh, news broadcast because Breezy does all the hard work and I have yeah. the easy job where I just listen and ask questions. Yes. So I'm an advocate for the worker bees, always. <laughs> there we go. Hey, as a business lawyer, right? That's what it's yes. all about. Helping protect the business to help always. everybody involved in the business. Yeah. So again, I'm just so excited to be here to talk about diversity and kind of what that means to me. Um, it's a platform that I stand upon a lot because oftentimes in the legal communities, it's usually individuals who look like themselves. We, of course, associate by what we're comfortable with. And oftentimes we don't know how to get, oh, well, you know. Gotta love iPhones. It's all connected when you want it to be connected. But anyway, um, we don't always look beyond our friend groups, our peer groups, and what that may look like. So for me, it was always important that I bridge the gap between that um, with letting people know that it's okay to diversify and have friends that may not look like you, have associates that may not look like you, uh, have legal interns or law students who may not look like you. I know for me, when I started law school, it was a big debate in my family. You talk about a, a dinner table uh, discussion. It was a big de debate on whether or not I should uh, lock my hair. At the time, I was going back and forth with the decision and my parents, my mom and my dad was like, well, 
is that something you really want to do? Will you get a job? Will people hire you if you have locks? And I listened to that and I didn't make the decision. I wish I had because then my hair would be much, much longer. I have since then made the decision to lock my hair and I'm three years into it. And it's one of the best decisions I wish I would have made over eight years ago. But I say all that to relate it to hair because it may be something that our listeners are battling with a decision or uh, interference that they may not know about, or they're just confused on how it may impact their careers. And I, for one, think it could be the best thing that could ever happen to you. I look different than a lot of business lawyers that people encounter. I sound different. The way I explain things is different. And you know what? That's an attribute. Because so many times people will come to me and say, hey, Nikosha, I want to start my business. What's the first thing to do? And I'll be like, okay, kick it. First things first, we need to do this. Did you do this? I educate. I educate. I educate. I'm not just a done-for-you service. And I think in the legal profession, we get this connotation of, I'm the expert, and you will come to me, and I will solve all your problems. But with that mindset, we're missing an underlay here of educating. And just because we educate doesn't mean these people won't come back to us for future legal needs. They're actually going to thrive to us because they are now have a wealth of knowledge that they didn't have before. They now have an understanding that they did not have, and then they can pass that along, which in turn goes back to what you always preach is about referrals. Those referrals are where it's at, and that's how you're going to grow your firm or your business. Love it. All right, so we're going to dive into that in a little bit more detail. Breezy, I don't know if there's something going on with uh, Facebook today because my comments are, are popping in and out. So, Oh, no. Um, yeah, and the feed dropped, but it's all right. So our last episode, we had Vikram Rajan on talking about how to generate referrals from online video marketing. Went over the videosocial.net platform. Very cool. Highly recommend it. I got to try it out. I'm a big fan of a great way to help, especially solo and small firm owners, create a ton of content. Um, for those of you that want to stay in touch with Nikosha as we are going over this episode, there's a number of links down here. I can't see them anymore, so I'm just going to read some of them out for anybody listening to this who's not watching. We've got AndersonLawFL.com. We've got Facebook.com slash AndersonLawFL. We've got Instagram.com slash Esquire44. And we've got the LinkedIn one on here, but it's got the weird LinkedIn gobbledygook, so I'm not going to read through it. But feel free to go ahead and connect with Nikosha as we're done with this episode. But like Nikosha said, we're talking about embracing diversity and how that can help you grow your practice. And it's interesting to me because I think, I, I haven't necessarily seen it put this way, but a lot of times, like when we're talking about everybody creating their individual brand, diversity can play a role in that or cannot, but it's definitely a very similar conversation because you're talking about like what makes you different and then embracing that for the benefit of appealing to the right client. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They will come to you and say, oh, well, you know, I'm a PI lawyer and I, you know, I help people when they have problems and, and they're injured and they need some assistance. But what is going to differentiate you from the 50,000 billboards I see just going to CVS? Like, or the back of a bus or whatever. What is the difference? I can't say the differentiating factor. And just like a lot of people, I fumble over my words. I have trouble sometimes. Is that how you spell it? I think if you, I humanize things. And I think that's what connects me to my clients is that, that level of I'm like you too. I have to Google how to spell a word because 
I don't know how to say it. Or I'm cracking up that you picked that one. My wife makes fun of me all the time. My wife is like the spelling bee champion of her childhood. And I can't spell anything. And literally last night we were celebrating my mom's birthday. And my mom brought like a school project that I had in your, and my wife reads it and is like, oh, you couldn't spell then. You still can't spell now. I was like, thanks, dear. But it's well, true. You know, I, I mean, I love, I love my, my spouse. I nicknamed him on the internet, Superman. And Superman is... He's very, he's very technical and he will come to me and, and he don't have, he's, he's the type that doesn't have to read instructions. He just kind of sits and figure it out. Me, I have to read the instructions, flip it back again, look at the picture. So I think we just compliment each other. See, as a man, I thought we're not allowed to read instructions. I won't get it right by any means. It'll take three <laughs> times as long, but it'll, uh, but I can't read the instructions until I've already messed it up and broken it. And then Heather usually has to return it so we can get a new one that I didn't break. But anyway. Well, that's okay. My husband's a, an engineer, so he does that by, by trade. So I just kind of leave all that stuff to him. <laughs> gotcha. So in terms of, I know you talked about um, the, the locks in your hair. You talked about your parents kind of pushing you away from it. And I think the part that I always want to make sure to drive home to people is it probably does turn people off. There are probably people that see you and are like, that's not my attorney or that's not who I want to be my attorney. Mm-hmm. But you've created, I guess you've created, you have embraced your natural self that is appealing to the people that you truly want to work with. Am I right yep. in that? Oh, most definitely. And you know what? That makes for the best working environment because it's, it's like a, a repellent for people who I don't necessarily want to, you, our energies won't align. So if you are focused on an attribute of mine, not necessarily my work product, but an attribute of me, then we're not already synced. We're not, we're not for each other. And that's okay. Cause my mama always told me everybody ain't going to like you. And that's okay. Everybody ain't for everybody. You got to find the people that's for you. So I guess I want to take this conversation a little bit differently because obviously oh. like in terms of embracing diversity, I'm a white dude. I've come to terms with it, but like, <laughs> who but likes the beach about, shirts? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> So somebody posted this thing, you know, what do you wear in your videos? And I was like, look, if they want a fat white dude who's a PI attorney, there's a hundred thousand videos in this suit. If they want a fat white dude in a Hawaiian shirt, they only have me to come to. That's so, it. That's um, it. But but that's kind of what I want to talk about. So when it comes to this, it, you know, embracing diversity, but from the standpoint of of having the locks, from the standpoint mm-hmm. of figuring out who you want to work with, can you walk me through a little bit more of that process? Like, how did you figure out who's the right fit for you? How did you figure out who you're trying to? have as that ideal client? Well, one of the key things I noticed is in my community, there's not the African-Americans in the legal community make up about 5% of the profession in general, 5%. Okay. That is not a lot. And if you niche that down to business IP, the number drastically goes smaller and smaller. So there's not a lot of people who look like me who are helping people with the solutions that they need. Uh, with find the solutions that they need. So for me, it was one of those, I'm probably the only one they know. So it was, it was kind of, I'm winning by default, kind of. Um, I think you're you selling yourself short on that. I mean, yes, but in a way it's like, again, if you come to my community, there's not a, there's not a lot. So it's sort of like if you live in a community and the only grocery store outside of your complex is Publix, you're going to go to Publix by default, by convenience. That is, but we all know Publix is bomb, but. I was, I was hoping you were going there. I didn't think we were going to smack talk Publix. Heck no. Hello. 
shopping is a pleasure. So one of the things I will say is I'm not trying to sell myself short. I'm just trying to explain that there's just not a lot. But one of the key things that differentiates in that journey looked like was I like helping uh, women. Women are the the are going to change the game and as it relates to business that more and more women are opening businesses, more and more women are entering this space and it can be very intimidating. So if you have another woman who is in the same space, walking alongside the journey with you, communicating her successes, communicating her failures to try to make a difference for you and your business, you will align to that. And that's been my platform. That has been my messaging. And the sad tribe is if you build it, they will come. It's true. People like to see other people that look like them. But if it goes back to what I said, it's going to take some effort on your part to also reach out beyond what you know. Because if you are in a bubble where it's just people who look like you, talk like you, sound like you, you kind of come robotic and then it becomes a problem. So just try to make sure you bridge the gap and you know reach out to the other side because they may know something that you don't know and vice versa. All right, so we got a question from the audience, uh, aka my wife. Yay, and to be hey, fair, boo. this is the second episode I think my wife has ever watched of the show. Look, I'm special. The first episode she was on as a guest, so I can definitively <laughs> tell you she watched that one. Yeah. Uh, no, but she asked the question. I heard my comments keep uh, disappearing. But what are the what can those of us who are not people of color do to help better serve diversity in our communities? Hmm. One of the key things you can do is not be afraid, but don't be. Don't be afraid to embrace a community that you're not familiar with, but come in with open eyes. I say that to say this month is Hispanic Heritage Month, right? So you may not know how long people have been celebrating that, what is the best way to celebrate that, but I don't. that doesn't mean you go to your Hispanic friend and say, hey, how do we do that? Because that's putting the work on your Hispanic friend. If you want to know something, you have to do the research yourself and then you can maybe go to a member of that community and say, hey, I have done this research. This is what I have found. I would like to know if this is okay. And would this be okay with you? I think that's a key thing. Don't put the onus on your friend of color, your person of color, because then you're creating more work for them to educate you. And that's not fair to them. Now, oh. I think, oh. No, keep ahead. going. I, I, that's not fair to them. That's not fair to them at all. Um, I know this kind of happened to me around the Juneteenth in June, where um, some organizations and friend groups that I'm uh, friends with, they would come to me and say, hey, Nikosha, is this offensive? Or how do I do this? Um, Google is free. Last time I checked, Google is free. Um, just because I'm a member of this community does not mean I know all things of this community. And we can learn together. But if you come to me and say, hey, this is what I found. This is, um, this is how, do, how, how does that make you feel? As, you know, how, how would you do that? And then I can offer my opinion. But for you to come to me and to have the expectation that it's my job to educate you is where we're going to uh, misalign ourselves. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta give a shout out to my mother-in-law. Um, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm the first Jew she's ever come across or, or whatever, but like, genuinely was really trying to ask me questions about Judaism and why we did stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know the answer to like 80% of her questions. And I was like, hold on. I'm like, I'm Googling it. I'm like, Look oh, that's that. why we do this in this holiday. That's why we do this at that holiday. Like it was, it was, 
a very nice moment that we were able to share, but it also made me realize that like what what was diversity to her, I did not have the answers for. See, um, but no, this is this is amazing. It, it it that right there, that right there is the epitome of exactly what I'm trying to say. Just because you're a member of the Jewish community doesn't mean you know why you had dreidels. Did that mean why you was eating the applesauce and the potato cakes? I.e., next time, let me know because I like applesauce and potato cakes. So. <laughs> The best, my wife makes really good hummantaschen, which is the uh, Purim snack. It's shaped in a triangle, represents a oh. hat that somebody's trying to kill us. Um, oh. She does a great job with the baked good, as with all of them. But anyway. Your wife is the bomb.com and you hit the jackpot. Thank, yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So along the lines of embracing diversity and growing your practice. So mm-hmm. I know you have recently grown your team. Yes. When it came time, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to violate like uh, laws on employment stuff, but like when it came time to expand the team, what role did diversity play in that hiring process? In that hiring process, I knew exactly who I wanted to work alongside me, the personality types that I needed support in. So I think not only am I hiring for a role that I needed support in, but I needed to fulfill that role with someone who wasn't necessarily another me. And I think that's where some people go wrong when they expand their team and it doesn't necessarily work out in the best way. When you're expanding your team, Think of the needs of the role, not necessarily things that are going to align with what you think. For example, for me, I knew I wanted to support other women. That's always been, I'm a huge feminist and I am always going to empower women if I can. So with that being said, I I empowered military spouses. So as we all know, in this legal community, if you're a military spouse, Oftentimes, especially if you hold a, a, a JD and a practicing attorney, if your spouse is, is transferring to a different location, you can't always practice. But that doesn't mean you don't have the skill set and the knowledge base and you can be a tremendous asset to someone. So I wanted my firm to be equipped with women who could be great assets. And that's what I did. I advertised in the military spouse community of JD a network there. And I hit the jackpot. I I hit the jackpot. There are so many women and men in these spaces who really want to not give up their careers just because their family is making a sacrifice to protect our country. And I think that when we think of supporting the military, we also have to support the military families too. And my dad being a veteran, my all my uncles being veterans like my uncle is a master chief in the navy i come from a long line of military and oftentimes we're the forgotten we're the ones that are left behind while they go to serve and yes we may get the occasional discount here and there but a lot of people are sacrificing more than just not being with their family member they're sacrificing careers children are sacrificing relationships and relationship building and actually having roots in the community and having a place to call home. So that's important to me. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's like, I mean, obviously this isn't, as far as I know, it's not something to go over in law school, but like if you're sitting there as a military spouse, the law school is probably not going to tell you like, hey, don't take the Florida bar because you've got no reciprocity. And then if this happens, whereas like in other states, you know, you might have the 33 states on the UBE or I don't, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they, I guess they've relaxed some of the things in terms of accommodating this recently. In certain jurisdictions, but not all of them. I know Florida, you actually have to temporarily be based here, like in order to get the access to practice, like your, your spouse has to be based here. But what if 
What if they're not, but they do a, a good portion of their work here? They have to go back and forth, but their home base is something else. Like, it's a lot of factors that come into it, and they do leave, live a transient lifestyle. So I try my best to be accommodating to that, and I've been very lucky so far. So if you are a firm and you're looking for some um, support, definitely try to advertise to the military spouses. I think that's a lost uh, area that a lot of people don't consider when they need work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I want to talk about this from the marketing perspective. And then I want to talk about it from the lawyering perspective. Okay. Because like, obviously we see those ads all the time where it was like, they did not run this by anybody. Like oh it's the, um, Arm and Hammer just did one where they've got like a nice biracial couple and they're like, the husband <sighs> has taken on doing the laundry over the last six months due to changes in the house from COVID or it's yes. the like, it's happy, you know, happy uh, Yom Kippur, which is our day of atonement. And like, here's the Rosh Hashanah stuff and whatever. Oh, I'm cringing. So, like, if right. You but like, it happens for, like, you're talking about the Juneteenth. I guarantee you there were a million of them. At least, I, I feel like everybody discovered Juneteenth last year. I agree. And I'm so like, this year hello, maybe was a little bit better. I've, I, it, I, oh, I have to touch myself to ground myself, as my therapist says. Um, one of the key things is, yeah, a lot of these holidays have been celebrated in communities for years. Just because it's new to you doesn't mean the holiday is new. And asterisk, Juneteenth was actually not the end of slavery. Right. Juneteenth is a holiday we celebrate because there was still slavery occurring even after the uh, proclamation declaring it obsolete was signed. There were tons of individuals who were still, um, of course, enduring that type of lifestyle. And so when they discovered two plus years later, it was henceforth the Juneteenth celebration because it was two plus years later from the end of slavery. So Juneteenth is not the end of slavery. Ooh, okay, off my soapbox. Now, as it relates to people making the foot in the mouth, trying to be inclusive, but not doing the work. And that goes back to what I was saying about doing the work. Bring people in the room. There are countless marketing departments where you're trying to target a specific area and you don't have man person from that area on your team. I'm sorry. There are things that I can say, things that I know and, and I bring that are extremely valuable if you are targeting African-American women um, who are generation, what are we, X, Y? I don't know, Y, X, I don't know the letter. But we're, we're beyond generation letters at this point, right? I don't, but in, and from what I know, these COVID babies are like doing things that COVID, little babies weren't doing years before, but that's another story. But um, I say all that to say you need to diversify your team depending on who you're going to target and try to not make it feel tokenism like a token because then that person will feel isolated. And it's not just a member of hiring an African-American, hiring a woman, but what are you doing post the hiring to make them feel included? And I think that's where a lot of people fail when they run these campaigns. They'll actually hire a person, but then they won't make them feel included in the other aspects of that. So, well, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be very bottom line about it because we talk to clients all the time. They're like, well, we have this marketing coordinator in-house, whatever, like, where do we bring you all in? And I'm like, mm -hmm. it's great. They know your area so much better than we do. They know the local restaurants. Mm -hmm. They know the organizations. They know the 5K. And so like when you're 
trying to embrace whatever the diversity, if it's race-based diversity, if it's food-based, um, yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> having people in this community, like, okay, great. We know like, all right, we're going to do for this event, we're going to get catered by whatever the great restaurant is that appeals to your community. That's in the community. That's local to the community, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, well, we'll just go to, uh, I guess I'll put Publix under the bus on that. Instead of just going to Publix and be like, hey, we're going to order Cuban food now, from look. Publix. You, like if you, you can, live in Florida or any of the lower southern states, because Publix is expanding, yeah, you can't go wrong with Publix. I'm sorry, Jordan. Publix is a unifier here. It, I mean, it's wonderful. But I like, like if you're going to embrace a community for whatever reason, location, ethnic, ethnicity, diversity, race, yeah. whatever, like truly embrace the community. And by having somebody from that community who knows that community, they know the you know, they know the go-to church in the area. They know the best restaurant. Right. They know the, I get what you're the saying. right venue. And yeah. it's, just, it's crazy to me to see exactly what you're talking about with a tokenism, where instead you can actually help this person lead your firm or lead the marketing side of it or lead the client development side of it or lead whatever it is, because they're the one who really truly understands that area that you're trying to get into. And when you, and when they embrace you in the community, don't just toss them to the side. Once you get to that community, I find that happens a lot where that person will open you up to a new world, but then that person won't get the praise or the recognition for that work. Cause that's a lot of work, um, to bring someone into a community of which they know nothing about. And side note, um, if you've ever been to, uh, anyone's home, it is very, very, or restaurant or anything. If they offer you something, even if you ain't never had it before in your life, eat it, drink it, spit it out later. Uh, it's one of those things that's offensive because the, this is represents something to them that, that, that they took the time energy to make it for you, bring it to you. One of the key things I learned, um, when I moved to Florida and di- different things and diversity is if a person at your job or something is bringing you fruit from their tree, they like you because they are thinking of you and putting it in a Publix bag to bring you mangoes or limes or oranges from their tree. That's a, that's a, a bridging the gap. That's a coming together. So it's just little small things that we may overlook and, and maybe not take for granted we may take those little gestures for granted, but those are things that can help diversify you because if something going down in your office and they brought you some fruit, you probably gonna know about it. Well, so, and then along those lines, I wanna hear from your perspective on, from the lawyering side. Like, look, obviously we're dealing with jurors from all different backgrounds. We're dealing mm-hmm. with judges from all different backgrounds. We're dealing with opposing counsels. Like how has this helped you be a better advocate to a wider cross-section of people? Well, I think it, it allows you to draw upon things to get a, something to relate to. For instance, we just related about Publix. We just related about Judaism and how you celebrate that. You see how I drew from different things uh, that I can relate to because I'm familiar with those things. I can't draw upon something I'm not familiar with. Um, if, and yes, you can do generalizations, but it's those key things to say, oh, 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 she know. Oh, okay, so you know. So if I tell you about how to order a certain at a certain restaurant, oh, that you're in the community, oh, she know. Oh, she, how she knew that? So it's, that helps with lowering. Because if you are in front of a juror and you, and, and we all know when you go to your closing, you got to tell a story, you got to lay it out. People remember stories. 
They remember the things you say in the beginning and they remember the things you say at the end. That middle fuzzy wuzzy had a bit. But it's like, if you can draw upon different things to connect the uh, the different six or 12 people or whatever you're looking at or seven or eight, you know what I'm saying? If you can, like, for example, I, I heard something in a closing argument one time and it kind of stuck with me. And, and if you're in the Central Florida area or familiar with uh, Central Florida area, you know, there's only one way in and one way out really in Orlando. And that's I-4. I, and even though it's, it, um, it says east and west, it actually runs north and south of Orlando. So uh, one of the key things always um, I heard someone say is you really want a, peop- a pool of people who drive on I-4 making a decision about your life. Like that reference of how people drive on I-4, which is at AKA NASCAR, NASCAR under construction. You really want people who cut and don't know they're making a, a, a right turn all the way from the far left lane, all the way trying to get to the lane. They miss their lane. They break, they stop. You want them people making decisions for you? I think not. Well, and I always love that. Literally when you get to the most tourist area of Orlando, that's when they're like, well, now there are left exits and there are right exits and forget it. And they're going to change every two years as we expand I-4. This middle toll lane down the middle that they're doing is going, I'm going to avoid it like the plague that it is because it's going to be a disaster because from what I can gather, if I'm in the toll middle, how will I get to my exit? I don't know. It's got it like Miami. They've got it for like Passover. So if you hit a I don't certain like spot, that. I don't like I don't that. Know. My husband's from South Florida, and when I have to visit his family down there, my in laws, it drives me up the wall. But that anyway, as it relates to lowering, I say all that to draw. You see how we draw a connection with traveling and traffic patterns in Florida. That's a relatability factor. We we pull from what we know. You can't pull from things you don't know. But if you expand your brain, you expand your learning you can pull from different things and that can connect you to more people. That can help you be a better lawyer. That can help you understand why there's individuals in your office that have their um, a, a younger person with them if they're in immigration because they need that younger person to actually explain and actually say, is that okay? Or if you have a wills trust and estate practice and they're just not familiar because They've had people take things from them. It's a, you can relate to that. If that happened to you, you can pull from that. You can show how that same thing happened to your grandparents or that same thing happened to your neighbor and you, how you help your neighbor that likes epinatas or your neighbor who has an orange tree or your friend who celebrates Yom Kippur and has red and gold and understands that I have to have my rice in this this brand of rice because culturally that's just what we do. I, I made all these food references and I made all these other things because that is so important. At the end of the day, your client wants to feel like you see them. Your client wants to know that you can understand there's some type of level of understanding and you have to be able to diversify yourself. Read a book, read, listen to an audio book, watch some YouTube videos, try to understand when we close ourselves off and consistently do the same things over and over and over and over and over again, you're missing out on life. You're missing out on growing your practice. And I don't care if your niche is PI. I don't care if your niche is will trust in the state. You're missing out on serving your current clients better. Yeah, I think one of the one of the all-time best legal decisions, I think, was remember the Chinese drywall when that was the yes. issue? They had the big yes. mess. Yes. And so where did they move that case to? New Orleans, which 
right after Katrina and unfortunately New Orleans has recently been hit again yes. but like but their thought process was everyone on this jury had or knows somebody who got in, who had a new house rebuilt over yep. the last two or three years mm-hmm. who are probably terrified that they're going to find out that they had you know the Chinese drywall issues in their house and it was just like it was such a very interesting way of understanding exactly what you talked about like really getting that how better that for them to understand what our clients going through than these people that just had all these houses rebuilt after the hurricane and whatnot. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Crazy. I, I think that is, is one of those things that we kind of missed. Of course, they don't teach us that in law school is how to relate, how to genuinely sit. It's sort of like how teachers or child psychologists uh, will draw, get low. When you're talking to kids, get on their level, get lower get down to a point where they can understand and kind of relate to you. If they're sitting down, you kind of sit down too. If they're coloring while they're talking to you, pick up a crayon and color with them too, because they'll say, Oh, that adult person is doing that too. Oh, you like that too. They'll give you a block. It's the same thing with adults. If I see you shopping in the same places I shop, Oh, you shop here too. Oh, And that kind of lowers the wall. That's what you want to do anytime in your con- trying to consider some marketing campaign, some new strategy. How can I lower people's defensives? How can I lower the wall to let them know that, hey, this is a safe space. Hey, I'm okay. I can help you and it's going to be all right. So we talked a little bit about embracing diversity from the hiring side, from the marketing side, from the lawyering side. Um, excuse me. What else do we want to make sure we cover before we run out of time? Oh my gosh, yes, because we can keep going. Um, just think about what you're doing individually. Diversify some of the things that you may be reading, some of the things you may, um, well, I only listen to this this radio station or I only listen to this. Try it out for 15, 20 minutes. Try something different for 15, 20 minutes personally and genuinely see if you like it. Because we're quick to dismiss things or people that may not look like us, sound like us, talk like us, experiences of us. And we're missing out on a lot because everybody's experience is not your experiences, but it's in that learning of others is how we grow. So I, and we grow as lawyers that way. We become better lawyers because of it. I think government lawyers especially have that, that advantage because we don't get to pick our clients. And we're usually in, um, in, and you certainly hear about it when they don't get to pick you. Oh Lord. Yes. And they fire the, us daily, but, and you see how, even if you're not in that space, you not, still go back sorry. to it and say, I'm that person, I'm that lawyer or government. It's, it's, it's like a threading that binds all of us. It's like we were a part of a, a sorority or fraternity that no one else knew about. Right. To be clear, when I said garbage, I did not mean the person. I mean the garbage that they will spew about their lawyers oh, not yeah. being real lawyers, not being paid lawyers, oh. not being being. Uh, I'm going to go hire me a real lawyer. Oh, what am I? A character? Right. <laughs> I don't have the same three letters and six or seven numbers behind my name when I sign daily. Okay. Have fun. Enjoy your time. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So as we get towards the end, um, I want to talk about our next episode that will air on Thursday, September 30th. So this is Thursday at 1.30 Eastern time. So same time as this show on Thursday, we have Victoria Collier on, who's going to talk to us about the biz- biggest mistakes to avoid when considering selling your firm. 
Ooh. Victoria has a really cool system where she talks about turning, making your law firm turnkey so that it doesn't need you to run everything that it runs without you, that it is truly turnkey and that aids you in selling it. And so she's a formerly practicing attorney who made her law firm turnkey and then sold it. And she's going to talk to us about those biggest mistakes to avoid when considering selling your firm. So I'm excited to have her on. But Nikosha, I'm not going to let you go without that final nugget of wisdom. So, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> well, you'll have like 30 more seconds, maybe. Okay. But when it comes to being the exhibit A of a successful attorney, when it comes to that attorney who's happy with their practice, who's moving in the right direction, who is happy in their life as well, what would be your biggest piece of advice? It could be something we've talked about as it relates to diversity or your practice. It could be something totally different. But what do you want to make sure as many attorneys as possible hear from you? Be kind. And I think we all, that's so general, but it's not always what we meet when we interact with people. I think if we were more kind to each other and, and came from a lens of empathy, we could get further. Because you just don't know about that mom who's rushing to get to that 815 hearing about how she had to wake her kid up 45 minutes earlier, your honor, just to get to that 815 hearing. And her kid didn't want to brush his teeth that morning and wanted to wear mismatched socks. She's already had it. Or that dad who had to stay up or that or take care of an elderly member of their family that you don't know about or just what they had to do. You don't know what a person had to do to get to present in front of you right here, right now, or walk. I had a client who had to walk eight miles to get to a 9 a.m. hearing. He was three minutes late and the judge uh, did some action that was not favorable to him. And I had to plead to get the case recalled. That man walked, walked eight miles with a clean shirt in his bag so he could switch in the bathroom at court. It's things like that that just drives me up the wall because people won't be kind and have an empathetic lens. Yeah, I think um, something that you said, I don't know, maybe five minutes ago, it still stuck with me. You talk, your experience is not their experience. That's it. And it's so true because like ultimately we are the culmination of our experiences, what we've been taught, what we've been through, et cetera. And like, uh, I just, uh, I have a guess on which judge it was, but I'll, I'll keep, <laughs> keep that. Keep it to yourself. I'll keep that to myself. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, it's amazing to me. And I think that the more you embrace diversity, whether it's race, whether it's culture, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's background, whether it's job title, whether it's industry, whatever, the more it helps you get that understanding, mm -hmm. you have that understanding for, you know, other people in other situations, been, having been through other things. I agree. I think there's a human element to lawyering that some people miss. Very true. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And I enjoyed my time here. Hey, Breezy, I'm going to send you some. <laughs> there we go. Um, so we've got all of Nikosha's contact information here on it. We read it to you all at the beginning, but feel free to go ahead and follow her. And then also you can join our free Facebook group, Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers. Most of our guests are in there to continue the conversation. If you've got any follow-up questions, they will be in there and we'll make sure that they answer anything you else have. So have a great day. And see you all Thursday, September 30th at 1.30. Talk to Victoria Collier. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.